Well, good morning, everyone. As you uh, open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, and if you have your message notes and you want to follow along with those, please do so. Um, I just want to take a moment while you're doing that to echo what Josh said, and that is uh, tomorrow's a very significant day for all of us because Memorial Day strikes us all in different ways for different reasons. And so my prayer for everyone here um, as you... Um, probably do some kind of celebrating with barbecuing or watching baseball or doing some family outing, is to always remember those who served our country and those families who, in particular, are um, seeing Memorial Day from a different light because of losses um, that they've endured. And so as we start this message this morning, I'd just like to open in prayer, and then I'd like to get right into um, our second half of our learnings from Elisha today. So, Father God, we just pray today that you... Uh, we'll open up our minds, our hearts, our spirits to your word, uh, to your teaching, um, through our worship to you, through our study of your word, and through our prayer together. Father, we, we know you're in this place with us today. We have some special events that are coming up later in this service. Um, they tell us all about what it means to be part of community, what it means to support each other. And Father, as we focus this morning on sharpening our faith, restoring our faith, uh, Father, I just pray that uh, your words can speak through me and that they can speak to the hearts and minds of everybody here today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, this morning is part two of a two-part series on the prophet Elisha. And we can learn and read all about him in the book of Second Kings. And I would encourage you, as I did last week, to really explore Second Kings on your own. I can't give you everything about Elisha in two 30-minute messages. But what I can do is give you some really key points and points you to, to more of those passages that you can learn more and continue to grow as you learn more about that. But we're going to take a look at our second half today. Um, and before we do that, I want to go back to where we were last week. Uh, whether you need a little refresher or whether you weren't able to be here last week, we learned about a bold faith that came from Elisha. He was a student of the great prophet Elijah, and he had the wisdom and the strength and the courage to seek out God and ask for bigger, bolder things in his life. He changed his view, and he fully sought out the will of God in his life. And that should be the purpose for each one of us as we live our daily lives. What does God have for us for a purpose for our lives? And so last Sunday, we learned that Elisha, in order to separate himself from the world he once knew, he actually slaughtered the oxen that he was farming with because he did not want that to be his view for the rest of his life. So he slaughtered his oxen, who he plowed his fields with, and then he burned his plow. And one of the key points of last week's messages was, were there any plows that you need to burn in your life? Plows that are holding you back from living the full life that God has created for you. And when we think about him slaughtering all those oxen, I should have encouraged everybody in symbolism of that to have a steak dinner this past week. Maybe you did. But it's time to slaughter the oxen and burn the plows. That's what we established last week. But now we're going to move forward to the next piece of this. We're going to take a look at one of the key miracles that Elisha performs, and we're going to use that to help us with this simple question. Have we reached a point in our life, and we can speak individually at this point, but is there a point in our life where we have lost our spiritual edge? Because today I want to use this message to help us sharpen that. I, wanted to use, I want to use this message to help us restore and refocus our faith, our faith in God. And so if you remember, at the time that Elisha had made this decision, he was living in the country of Israel, 
And they were at a stage in their history where they needed bold people throughout their nations, throughout their nation, living lives boldly, bringing honor to God. Israel desperately needed this at this point. And so we had these two questions last week. How's our current view? Is it like where Elisha was, where he's just trailing these oxen, and he couldn't see beyond that? And did we need to change anything with our view so that we could see God better? And the second thing that we asked is, were there any plows in our lives that we had to burn? Things that are holding us back from God truly working in our lives, bringing us the kind of peace and joy and purpose that he so longs for us to have. That's how he created us to be. I hope you had some serious conversations with your spouse, your family, your friends around those ideas. Because all this has to do with is our faith. Our willingness to organize our lives around the following. To simply obey and seek God. And in Jesus Christ, we have the perfect representation of who God is and the people who he intends us to be. That's who we look to. That's who we follow. That's who we give our lives to, to Jesus. And so carrying that message into this week, I want to again ask this question. Have you lost your spiritual edge in any way? Now, I know that we're either all out of school or going to soon be out of school. we got a few schools left that are wrapping up this week. But even though we're out of school, this is still always a good time to test ourselves a little bit. And so I'm going to do that in a moment. If this is the first time that you've been to church for a while, I just simply ask you this question. Has it been a while since you felt a connection to God? Has it been a while since you have felt the joy and the peace and the energy that following him gives you? I want to give you that challenge today as well, if that's where you're at right now. Wherever you are in your spiritual walk, I have this good news to share this morning. We are created by a God who has the power the will and the love to restore everything in us. That's who we follow. A God who can restore every piece of brokenness, every scar, every fear. He is a God of restoration, and Elisha met him there. That's why Jesus came to this earth. That's why he lived for us, and that's why he died for us, so that we can be restored. So Deuteronomy chapter 30 Verses 3 through 5 says this, God, your God, will restore everything you've lost. He will have compassion on you. I want you just to listen to the encouragement of these verses. He will have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. I love the promise of those verses. Why does God do this? Because we serve a God who specializes in helping people find what they did not mean to lose. That's how good our God is. And those are the promises that we have when we submit and follow him and so as we look at the prophet Elisha one more time this morning, let me again remind you of where we were last week. Last week we talked about changing our view. We talked about burning plows. We talked about all of this in order that we can have more fruitful lives. And today we're going to look at what honestly is one of the oddest miracles in all of the Bible. 
In fact, if you were to look through 2 Kings, you're going to find a lot of different things that Elisha performed as miracles. Next to Jesus, he's the second most miracle-producing figure in the Bible. And if you remember any of these stories growing up or any of these stories that you've recently studied, Elisha once healed a poisoned body of water to save a community. He raised a boy from the dead. He provided for a widow who would have lost her two sons after losing her husband. He healed Naaman in 2 Kings, Kings 5. He was a commander and he had leprosy and he dipped him in the river and he heals him. He blinds an entire army to move forward for the things that are for God. He does all of these amazing, amazing miracles. But I want to focus on this one today because that has a lot to do with how we can maintain and sharpen our faith. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 6, 1 through 6, if you want to follow along. I think it's also in your notes. To help you understand this in context, please remember that Elijah was once mentoring Elisha. And now we see Elisha mentoring another generation of young prophets. So they're replicating themselves. Once Elisha learns and grows, he is now teaching others and instructing them. And so he has all these young prophets surrounding him. And they're coming to him and saying, boy, we want to learn from you. We want to grow from you. He is becoming a very popular teacher and grower of other prophets. And so here's the setting that we have as this is growing so fast, they need to find another place to be. And that's the setting for where we get to this next miracle. It says, the company of prophets said to Elijah, this group of young people following him, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to meet. Let's get a bigger place to be. And so Elijah says, go. And then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? And Elisha says, I will, and he goes with them. And notice what happens. They went to the Jordan, and they began to cut down trees so they could build this bigger place. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. This is something that I would do if I was out there chopped. Somehow I would have managed to lose my axe head and go into the river. I can totally relate to this young kid who's doing this. So it goes into the river. As one of them was cutting down the tree, the axe head falls into the water, and the man who loses it, the young man who, who loses it, says, Oh, my Lord, I've lost it. It was borrowed. And the man of God, Elisha, asked, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, look at this. Elisha cut a stick and threw it there, and it made the iron float. Lift it out, Elisha said. And then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now, I don't need to be a physics teacher or a chemistry teacher to explain to you that iron, when you drop it into water, is going to sink. <laughs> it's heavy. But here's something else that we need to know about iron, because I love the symbolism, not only of the, the real action that happens, but I love the symbolism that we have to work with as well. This happens at a time when iron is extremely valuable. It might still be today. Iron is very, very valuable, and it's very hard to come by. And so by that very fact, it is very expensive. And so we have this prophet, this young boy, this young man. He's a younger guy. He's studying. We can only imagine if he's a young guy who's just studying, he doesn't have a lot of wealth or resources himself. We've all been there, right? I remember when I was first out of college and I was teaching um, and I had this little apartment in Sloan, Iowa, 600 square feet, and all of a sudden you realize by the time you pay your rent, your car payment, your insurance, and on and on, there's not a whole lot of money left over. But I remember this little 600-foot apartment and I remember when Beth and I first started dating. I had a couch, I had a chair, I had a little TV, and I had Michael Jordan posters all over the wall. And I remember 
kind of thinking in my mind, you know, Beth, if you, if you were to uh, get into a relationship with me, this can all be yours, too, right? <laughs> this, this is what I have to offer as a 26-year-old guy having taught for a couple years, right? I didn't have a lot. And you and I, we've all been there. We've all been in that place where this young boy was. You didn't have much. She also remembers that the place smelled like sweat socks. I don't remember that part, but uh, she has refined me, I hope, quite a bit over the years. But that's what I remember being that same young guy. And I didn't have a lot. And so I can only imagine that if a friend had loaned me a car or loaned me something valuable and I went and used it and I either lost it or I damaged it, can you imagine the stress that a young guy like that would feel? He lost the prophet's axe head. Can you imagine the stress? Can you imagine the panic? But I want you to notice what happens. After he borrows his axe head, after it goes into the river, he knows he can't pay this back. He doesn't have much, and so he turns to Elisha, and Elisha puts a stick in the river, and the axe head begins to float. And here's what we can take from that, that we have a big God who actually cares about the little details in our lives. And that's a real comforting thing for me. And I hope that's a very comforting thing to you as well. And that's where we pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. We start with verse 1 again. Elijah says, go. And they go. And they try to build this um, new, bigger place for them to meet. And that's where the axe head gets lost. And that's where the axe head begins to float. And that's where Elisha performs this miracle. And it teaches this young man a couple of very important things, and they're the two things I want us to learn from here this morning. If you're taking notes, here's what I hope you will see, that God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. I love that spiritual truth, that God knows how to help you and me find what we never meant to lose. Those of you, and I think all of us can be in this boat at one time or another, maybe you're in this boat today, if you've lost something spiritual in your nature, be reminded that we serve a God who is completely into restoration. He can restore that, what you didn't mean to lose. Our God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. And as we talk about losing this axe head, it's sort of like talking about losing our spiritual edge. And so I want us to take a look at where we're sitting right now. Because Jesus told his followers that if you hold to my teaching, if you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth will set you free. And what I'm noticing more and more as I make more and more relationships with people, is that in some ways we're all in the same boat. We're all sort of working our way through this life. We're dealing with the challenges. We're dealing with the struggles. We're dealing with times when we can feel alone. We're dealing with times when we feel really stressed out. And that's the time when we have to be really cautious about not letting ourselves lose our spiritual edge. So I'm going to give you this little litmus test today. And I want this to be very, very practical before I get into a couple more teachings. And the practicality of it is this. I have hammered and hammered and hammered this verse. I myself am trying to live this as best as I possibly can by the grace of God. But it's Galatians 5.22. I keep going back to this verse because I think it is so critical for us in how we interact with each other, how we conduct our daily lives, how we view the world. 
And it's Galatians 5.22 where Paul writes that when you accept Christ, you are given these fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's within you. And these are the traits again. And what I'm going to ask if you have a way to write on your sheet, if you would just write these down. We're promised with the fruits of the Spirit that we will be given joy. If you've got a place to write down the word joy, just write down the word joy and then they'll leave a little space to the right. We're offered joy. We're offered peace. We're offered patience. I don't want to go too fast here. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and I think the biggest one of all that's not mentioned in 522, but I do think it's what Jesus taught and taught and taught, it's the greatest commandment of all, simply love. Okay? You make that list. And then I want you to think about the list that goes to the antonym or to the opposite of that list. And I'll go a little faster here. You don't have to write all these down. But if you look at your life today, ask yourself this question. Am I living with joy? Or on the opposite side, am I living more with anger? Do I have a sense of peace in my life, or am I constantly gravitating to conflict? Am I a patient purpose, or am I an impatient purpose or person? Do I show kindness more often, or do I show meanness more often? Do I have a heart that is filled with goodness most of the time, or do I struggle with bitterness? Am I a person who lives faithfully? Do I have faithfulness? Or do I live with a lot of doubt? And you can make a whole list of things that you may doubt. Doubt yourself, doubt your surroundings, whatever. Do you live with more faithfulness or do you live with more doubt? Do you live with a gentleness or do you live with a harshness? Do you live in self-control or do you live a life that is just undisciplined? And most importantly... Do you have a life that is filled with love, or do you have a life that is full of fear? Now, those are some pretty pointed questions. And what I would ask you to do is, in your mind, just to sort of circle, <laughs> where am I at with all of these balances? And what I would ask you to do even further is to take that list and give it to your spouse. Give it to one of your kids. Give it to one of your key coworkers. Give it to somebody who is in your community of friends and ask them, would you honestly tell me where I weigh out on all of these? Because here's the deal, and I think we've all been there. When our balances are going a little to the right side rather than the fruits of the Spirit, there's a pretty good chance we've got an axe head floating somewhere. And we've got to get it out. We need to get that axe head back. And here's my encouragement to you this morning. We misplace things sometimes, don't we? Sometimes it's a slow fade. I've told that, this story from, from an Ernest Hemingway novel where a guy is sitting there and he's wind up, he's completely broke, he's lost everything, and a buddy comes up to him and says, how did you lose everything? And he says, well, I lost it gradually, and then I lost it suddenly. And I think the stresses of our life the interactions that we have, all of the things that just hit us every single day as we're just trying to live and manage this life and all of the tough things that come to us. I think it's simply sometimes we wake up months after we start going through something and realize, man, I just kind of slowly faded. 
My prayer life isn't where it used to be. My community life isn't where it used to be. My sense of peace and joy and happiness is completely on its ear. I just don't have the same spiritual passion that I maybe once did. And my simple encouragement to you this morning is, if you've ever been there or if you are there today, you follow a God who can restore it right now. That's what we learn from this account in Elisha. You see, God gives us the strength. God gives us the ability. God gives us the community to help pull that axe head out of the river. And I want you to think about that. If you feel like there are places where you have misplaced the gifts that God gives you in which to live. What happens to the axe head? The axe head comes to the top of the river and this young man has a chance to pull it out. What I'm saying to you this morning is that it's so good to love and be loved by a God who can restore all things. Now, my question to you as we continue to work through this is simply this. It may be that you misplaced it, but Scripture's also very clear about one other thing. And Jesus was very clear in John 10.10. You may have misplaced it, or it might have been taken from you. In John 10.10, Jesus says this, We have a spiritual enemy whose mission it is to steal, to kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. Jesus warns us of an evil one who is there to seek, destroy, and take from us. Now, if you think of every single human on this planet, every one of us is susceptible to having that taken from us. So if you're circling a lot of things in that right column, don't beat yourself up. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of other people who have been very vulnerable in sharing, this is what happened to me. And these are people you think, they've got it all together. Look at these spiritual giants, and they don't. Bill Hybels is one of the most well-known church builders in this country. He built a church from five people out of a youth group into a mega church, 20,000 people on a given Sunday. He's probably one of the greatest leader minds that I've ever seen or read. But Bill Hybels, about 20 years ago, almost lost it all. And this is exactly what he remembers from the time when he did. He said this, and see if this makes sense. He said, the way that I was doing the work of God destroyed the work of God in me. I want to read that again. He said, the way that I was doing the work of God destroyed the work of God in me. Now, that's an astonishing statement coming from someone who is revered by so many people as this awesome Christian leader, and he is. He's done amazing things for the cause of Christ. But what he said is he realized that while he was up praying before his church, he was realizing that on his, in his personal life he wasn't praying at all. He was pouring himself out, but he wasn't allowing God's word to pour back into him. And, and slow fade, slow fade. He's busy, he's organizing, he's doing all of these things, and he's forgetting about his own spiritual life. He said, I would study the Bible, but it was only to preach. There was no personal devotion and he said, in the middle of this season, God showed me very clearly what was happening. And it was at that point that I knew that I had to be restored. You see, like Bill Hybels, if, if you're kind of sitting in that same boat, you didn't mean to stop praying with your spouse, but maybe you did. And you didn't mean to fall back into old patterns that robbed you of spiritual fruit, but you did. 
And you didn't mean to drift from the love and intimacy that you had with God and wake up depressed and empty and struggling to find who you are. But somehow, at some point in our lives, we all do. And you know who else struggled with that edge? You know who else struggled with fighting that very thing? The Apostle Paul himself. The Apostle Paul writes in one of his letters, he says, Among all the sinners in this world, I count myself the greatest of these. So I don't want to beat you up this morning. I don't want to beat myself up. I just want us to take an honest look. Where are we currently at with our spiritual edge? Because none of us mean to pursue emptiness of possessions. None of us mean to follow after the approval of others. But if we're honest, there are times when we fight that, and there are times that get us into trouble when we do. You and I at various times in our lives will lose and have lost our spiritual edge. And the key is, what do we do to get it back? Now, if you're flying high this morning and you feel like you're locked into those fruits of the spirits, I commend you. I'd ask you to come up and speak a message and tell us how you're doing it. Because we need to find those models to continually to seek. How do we grow that in our lives? Because when we grow that in our lives, we grow that in our faith. We grow that in our influence. When we look one more time at this story with Elisha, I want to take a look symbolically at the two lessons to help us get our edge back before we close. The first one is this. We need to be honest. If we're struggling with any of these areas, we need to be honest about where we lost it. We need to be honest about where we lost our edge. In verse 6, Elisha asks, where did it fall? In other words, the accent isn't gone. You just left it here in the river, and I'm going to help you bring it back. But where did it fall? If you're struggling with your spiritual edge, ask yourself simply this, where did I lose this? And how do you start to find it? Maybe you've dropped a discipline in your life. Maybe there are just different conflicts that you're struggling with. Whatever it is, be honest. Where did you lose your edge? And the second thing that I believe this text teaches us is this. You've got to be honest about why you lost it. And then secondly, with God's help, you can take back what you lost. That's the great promise that we have here this morning. That with God's help, we can take back what we lost. So what does he want us to do? He's going to make it, just like Elisha does with this young man. God can make it within reach so that if you've got that floating axe head, he can bring it to reach for you. But you have to grab it. You have to get it back. I have to get it back. We have to go after it, and we have to get it. And that's the key thing that we learn from Elisha in this account. Now here's my question for you. Can you make an axe head float? No, if you can, you'll blow me away, but I don't think any of us can. But what we can do is we can lift it out when God puts it into reach for us, right? Can any of us create in our own spirit this passion and faith? I don't think we can do that, but we do know that faith comes by hearing and learning from the word of God. It comes through praying so that we can put ourselves in a place where we hear God's word and it impacts our lives. I love what Revelation 2 verses 4 and 5 says. Jesus was speaking to a church of people, and he said, You have forsaken the love you had at first. And then he says, Consider how far you've fallen. So what does he say to do? It's a simple thing. We repent. <laughs> we go back. We turn back from where we were, and God restores us. 
He helps us put the pieces together. Repent and do the things you did before you lost your edge. Now, how does that work? How does that look? To me, it's very simple. There's a handful of things at our disposal that God gives us to pull that axe head out of the river. Number one, and I think this is always important for me personally, it's important for my marriage, it's important for Beth and me. (laughs) For us, there are times where we have to go to places that break us out of our comfort zone. We've got to go to places where we serve other people. Because when we are serving other people, number one, we get a greater appreciation for what we've been given, and it gives us a greater sense of our need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's nothing more spiritually sharpening than being part of something greater than yourself, helping somebody else. We have to be willing to serve. Number two, we have to be willing to pray. And I mean setting up time where we are having time with God. You know, I've got a daily reminder calendar of all the things in my day, meetings with parents, meetings with people, meetings with this or that. I schedule all these appointments. Where do I schedule my time with God? I literally think writing it down means that I keep that appointment we got to make an appointment to pray daily for the wisdom that God can impart in us through his spirit. And I think number three, and this is what a good friend told me long ago, we have to get in the word and we have to be around people who are in the word. That's the community that a church creates. That's a community that helps us grow and sharpen. So if you're here this morning and you are struggling to find the peace and the joy and the kindness and the self-control that God has in store for you, then let me give you this encouragement. God hasn't moved from your life, but perhaps you have. And he's a God who, when you return back to him, he can begin to restore the things that are broken in your life. If you have an ax head floating this morning, our God has the power to help you find it. He has the power to restore your life, your family, and your brokenness. But there are two things that are required. I'm going to go through them one more time. Our part of the deal is we have to admit that we've lost something. we got to be honest. I've, I've lost this. And the second thing is we have to take back what is ours. Maybe it was misplaced, but in a spiritual sense, maybe there was a circumstance in which it was stolen from us. As we close today, I think of Muhammad Ali. He's the greatest heavyweight fighter the world has ever known. And when a reporter asked him back in his heyday, hey, what do you do to mentally get yourself ready to win all these fights? Muhammad Ali said this. He said, when I was about 10 years old, and we were very poor growing up, my mom worked and worked, and she bought me a bike for my birthday. Something I always wanted was this bike. And he said, I didn't have it for very long, and somebody came and stole it. And I never found out who it was. And I looked and I looked and I was heartbroken and I cried and I cried and I never could find who stole my bike. So every time I get in the ring and I hear that ding, ding, and I get up to fight, I look across the ring at me, I see the guy I'm about ready to fight, and I think, that's the guy who stole my bike. (laughs) And now I'm going to let him have it. And here's the point of that. As we close today, there are circumstances in life, when we think of that evil nature, that evil force that wants to seek and destroy and take from us. Sometimes we, to get our spiritual edge, we got to fight for it. We have to fight for our faithfulness. And some of the best ways to fight for our faithfulness is to surround ourselves with a lot of other people who are going to help us fight. 
because it's worth everything. It's worth our eternity, and it's worth our impact that God has for us here in this world. So will you join me in prayer this morning as we close today? Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do divine healing in our hearts today. Father, I pray that you would help us if we are struggling in any areas of our life where we feel like we have a spiritual edge that is gone. I pray that you can help us get that edge back. Help us be more intentional about praying to you. Help us be more willing to serve other people and learn all of the gifts that you've given us. And Father, help us find ways every day to grow in your word and grow in our community together. Father, we know and trust that you are a God who restores the brokenness in our life. And we thank you for the prophet Elisha and the many miracles that he performed to teach us how to live lives that follow you. I thank you for every person in this room today. And I pray that we can each go out with that renewed energy, that renewed spiritual edge, and continue to make a difference in the lives that we interact with every single day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.